I'm Rebecca. I'm Hetty. And I'm Lucy. And we've been friends since the days of gel pens and Furbies. And this is The Thing About That, a podcast that challenges the everyday expectations of modern life and flips the bird at a one-size-fits-all approach to living. In this series, we're discussing marriage. And in this episode, we'll get under the skin of our three very different proposal stories. The romance, the ridiculousness of it all, the elation, and the bits that we probably could have done without... Oh, hi. The interviewer with all the questions, as well as the interviewee, Becca Bright. I mean, let's not put too much emphasis on the number of questions involved because... It's only by (laughs) contrast, Bex, because no one else has come with any. We're hideously unprepared. I don't like that I'm earning this... What did you call me last time? Question master role. We'd be nothing without you, Becca. Look, I don't don't mind question master as much, because it sounds vaguely Soviet and authoritative <laughs> and like I'd have some really great lapels which I'm fine with oh okay madam question master so we're going to chat about the proposals this week yes aren't we? this episode I love this one actually because all of us have such different and interesting experiences when it comes to proposals I find mm. both of your experiences fascinating and every time you start talking about them I just want to understand all angles it is true, isn't it? All three yeah. of our stories couldn't really be, be any more different. Well, they could be, but they are very different. Hopefully between the three of us, we cover most people out there in the real world. I almost want to start with yours, Luce, because yours is sort of like a remarkable whirlwind <sighs> romance put in stark contrast, from my perspective anyway, mm. from your experience with previous relationships, oh, yeah. where I would say you are a pretty hard taskmaster with the people in your life and you hold them up to the highest of standards friends and partners Mm. and that means that not many part well obviously not any partners really made it through (laughs) that gauntlet until a new man came into your life not last christmas but christmas before christmas before october october a year and a half ago i think i touched on it in the last episode but basically I live in a flat. I'm very, very privileged. I live in a flat that my family own and they were trying to sell it. And this fabulous gentleman came to view the flat. Um, He apparently wasn't looking. I'm based in Fulham. He wasn't looking in Fulham at all, but he just sort of thought, oh, I'll give this one a go. So it was the only time he'd come to see a flat in that sort of area. And I was very (laughs) ill at the time. So I was at home when... Normally, I'd make an effort to not be there when the estate agent came round, but I happened to be at home and I looked awful. I was not looking <laughs> my best. And I basically went for a walk around the block while the estate agent was going to show this person around. And I stepped out of my flat and at the top of my stairs was this very eligible is the word I remember <laughs> thinking, which is bizarre. But I remember thinking, what an eligible gentleman. Like, he was just so smiley and warm and obviously very handsome but so just like I don't know that I believe in love at first sight I believe in lust at first sight but there was something about I just saw him and I was like wow I sort of stood and chatted to him and his mum for a bit his mum was there so I met my mother-in-law basically before we'd even (laughs) had a date and um I chatted to them for a bit and he was just so lovely and incredibly charismatic and 
um, yeah, I walked away and I actually texted a bunch of girlfriends I was texting at the time and said, total hottie just came to look around my flat. Hashtag eligible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hashtag eligibility. <laughs> I then basically found out his name from the estate agent a couple of weeks later in a moment of madness and found him on now, Facebook. Now, this next bit, I personally feel very strongly about in a positive sense because this is the sort of behaviour and chutzpah <laughs> that I always dreamed of having when you know you meet someone who you yeah. have a little bit of a spark of and you have these little daydreams of how on earth could I track him down well I know he lives in this area maybe I could just like put up a bus poster or something like that that would catch his attention and I would never ever act on those impulses and I love I that you were like, no, no, this and my is, mom actually, what have I got to lose? A lot of people very close to me who, when I did that, were totally like, God, that was so out of character for you. That's so weird. And actually, for me in my own head, it wasn't out of character at all. If I think back through my limited relationships in life, actually, a lot of the time, when I really like someone, I have just sort of gone after them. My longest relationship up until that point had been at university and that was a guy who you know like I put all my energy into persuading this guy I remember having to sit down with him in the middle of the night at uni in that way that you do when you're a student on a park bench and having to like list out pros and cons to him of like why he <laughs> ought to we should be girlfriend or boyfriend so when I got in touch wow. with Tris yeah wow but yeah so when I went after Tris I was actually like this is sort of what I do like when I set my mind on something mm. I it's just that it's very rare that I do it's like once every four years which segues quite nicely onto the fact that actually you know it started with you pursuing but in some ways the proposal was very much him led right mm, his impetus he is a real romantic mm. and I am romantic and have the potential for great for being a great romantic mm. but actually that doesn't come naturally to me and I think I felt incredibly seriously about him but because I'm a bit younger than he is and I've had fewer relationships there was still that element of caution I said whirlwind which actually I don't think is especially fair because I think what did happen is that you sort of very easily embedded into each other's lives very very quickly it was in no time that you were having little mini breaks with his mom and he was having little breaks with your family and yeah, we realised that earlier. We went to New York with his mum for a weekend when we'd been together for three months. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but I think that says that goes a, that says a lot about the sort of connection that you guys immediately had and how easily that sort of started I think together. it's also the difference between, um, you know, when you meet someone at what part in your life. Agreed. Like for both of you guys, you know, we're a real Agreed. range. Like Hetty was obviously 18. Becca, you were 25. I was 30. So it is that thing of just... I think both of us were in a place where we were going, no more games, you know, that lovely situation of going, honestly, if I find someone I really love, then I am ready to be in a settled relationship. And and you knew at that stage, you know, that, yes, you say eligible, but I guess what you sort of imply to that is eligible for you, right? He was something that oh, yeah. felt right for you. You got an instinctive reaction that he was a sort of person that you could imagine being able to kind of coalesce around. And I think... Yeah. That is something that you've learnt from all your experiences of, you know, having relationships or not having relationships, choosing mm. who to spend more time with and who not to spend more time with. So I'm not surprised, and especially given the intensity with which you were then seeing each other, I'm not surprised that mm. things develop quickly. And what's really nice is the feelings develop quickly. But as Beck says, it was also about how easily you were able to embed into each other's lives as well. All that being said, the proposal was the most 
probably it is no exaggeration to say that for me it was the biggest shock I've ever experienced in my life. <laughs> I had never considered that a proposal was round the corner as quickly as it was. I mean, you it weren't hadn't... even moving, you weren't even living together at this point. Can we talk about the environment? Because the environment. I find particularly funny because it was also the setting of where you broke up with your first ever boyfriend. And I really enjoy <laughs> the circularity of that. That is amazing, Mecca. I had I had never made that connection myself. Have you not? <laughs> that is so funny. So yeah, there's a um there's a wood at the end of the field where I grew up, um, called Prattlewood, and it's such a lovely wood and um and I feel very fondly about it and yes when I was about 16 I broke up with my first boyfriend who is still a great friend of mine and a wonderful man I mean we were together for sort of two months so I think a lot of people wouldn't count it big stakes huge stakes (laughs) yeah I got engaged in the same place I decided to break up with my first boyfriend (laughs) so yeah I think the engagement was a ginormous surprise you know, we went for a walk. Tris obviously had it all planned. He'd actually spoken to my parents the weekend before. There were all kinds of things that had happened in the morning that delayed it, which I won't bore everyone with, but Tris was very stressed, as you can imagine. And he kept trying to get me to come to him, and I kept wandering off and, you know, flitting about the place. And then he sort of eventually pulled me over by suddenly going, look at this amazing tree! And it was a totally average tree. Um <laughs> And he started saying lots of lovely things and he really wears his heart on his sleeve. So I think I just thought, oh, he's having a moment and saying lovely things. And then suddenly he was down on one knee and I almost in that moment realised that I hadn't been listening (laughs) to him. But that I think the word marry was in the sentence that had come before. And I think I said, yes, obviously, yes. But then I said, but this is so weird. This is fucking weird you're so weird, this is weird, this is so weird, why have you done this? (laughs) To the point where obviously he then said, I feel like maybe, is your answer yes? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, 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 but this is so weird. Um, And then I literally lost the feeling in my legs. (laughs) I remember I sort of toppled a little bit, sort of went, oh God, I think I need to sit down, ended up sat just amongst all these branches because I really had this sense of just my legs going out from underneath me. I think it was so surreal. Um, But I guess maybe a different thing from you guys, I adore Tris and I am so excited to spend my life with him and I love him. And the answer was yes, obviously yes. But also I had fear in that moment. It was such a surprise. It wasn't purely joy. It was joy about 10 minutes later when it had really sunk in it was joy but actually that first moment when I realized it was happening I do remember thinking why is he doing this now I really did find the next week very hard actually and I found I had this real sense of going I have found a man that I would love to spend the rest of my life with but I'm not ready to be an engaged woman and what that Mm. means what does that represent I think for me it was more about social obligations it was um it was like, I'm not ready to 
post that photo on Instagram and have everyone asking me what flowers I'm going to have and when what's the date and and that was because mm. that was the stuff that Not really sure stressed me out. Not sure one is ever ready for that really. With the <laughs> ringed finger on the hand and the hand on the chest and the shoulder. Yeah. Like, I mean, I am someone who I love social media I actually have like a very good relationship with it and I enjoy social media and I'm the kind of person who is always the first to be posting an obnoxious photo of me on holiday yeah I do need to talk to you about that actually (laughs) (laughs) but oddly this was the one thing where I remember being like this is for me I don't want to do I am not you know everyone was sort of going oh are you going to put something on Instagram and I was like no weirdly I really don't why do I need to. to prove my new status and is that because you struggled I mean on on the other things that you do find easy to you know to relay on social media is it because you can really habituate the space so you can really imagine you're looking at that photo and go that's me mm. and is it mm. does it go to your out of body thing that you were saying that actually posting a photo of it you're like oh god but I haven't really habituate that space yeah. I haven't put myself in that person fully yeah, yet that could be it. and really embrace what it means and really processed the impact of it there's a lot of aspects of it where I felt not right in it and mm. it's not because I don't want to marry this man I don't want to spend my yeah. life with this man I actually I do I really want both those things but there's a lot of places where I feel like I'm pretending I wonder whether I can segue neatly into mine because that sense of unreality or sort of um out of bodiness I very much experienced but I think in possibly a slightly different way so I think Ben and I had been together five years and to recap when he first called me his girlfriend I broke up with him because I found <laughs> the sort of the categorization so distasteful and so unnecessary so I was by no means uh someone like, who screw was you man I love yeah yeah exactly how dare you just call me by my normal name <laughs> <laughs> But I was no means chomping at the bit to sort of get hitched or, or anything like that. And I and even that, I think other people were starting to get slightly twitchy about because we would start getting asked a lot, sort of, oh, are you talking about getting married? What's the what's the plan with you guys? And, and I kind of immediately that would get my heckles up and I would be quite resistant to it because I was sort of like, what? Uh, the whole thing just felt, felt profoundly odd to me that there needed to be some sort of level up involved. Yeah. And... Because of that, the whole sort of theme of marriage was entered into entirely as um, a partnership, I guess, because I did find the whole thing very odd and all the sort of prescribed traditions, even to the point where we had talked about sort of the intention to get married. And as part of that, I guess that would cast you as being engaged. And one thing that was very important to me was, well, if we're entering into this thing as a partnership, if you want to give me a ring, that's fine, because I like... Uh, metal on my hands and great um but then I should also be giving you a thing in exchange because we are we are partners and that feels sort of right right and just but sort of the act of proposal itself Ben was very determined that he was going to formally ask me to marry him and I just okay. I, I, I immediately found that a burden and pressure and like I was sort of being it was sort of forcing it into something that felt quite unnatural because you were going through I guess, prescribed steps, The rigmarole, yeah. The rigmarole. There is an interesting comment to be made, and obviously, Hetty, you're the total reverse of this, but maybe Ben's desire to have that moment, that sounds familiar to me with the way Triss has spoken about stuff as well, and I think so many people talk about the bride when it comes to weddings and the bride's experience and being proposed to and all of that kind of thing. And actually, there's a lot of stuff Trissa said since about... Where am I in this? Almost yeah. like the life-changing gargantuanness 
of what that day was for him. For both parties, I think, in a proposal, there's something major going on. And maybe we don't talk a lot about the person doing the proposing Mm. because it's often the man. Mm. And I do think we talk about the bride's experience a bit more than the groom's. And so it's interesting to hear Ben say, you know, that he wanted that moment of asking you in an official way. Because I think for some um, men or women, as we'll learn about Hetz, you know, but the act of proposing can be a really important thing for some people. It was, and it was much, I think it's fair for me to say it was much more important for him than it was for me. Mm. But I I just found all of it deeply uncomfortable and so odd to the point where we sort of had an agreement that I would know, I would sort of know the when and the where, but not necessarily (laughs) all the details around that. And I, I could kind of make my peace with that. And the reason that was important was purely... We were once on holiday and I was convinced, convinced he was about to propose and I hated it. It was awful. The whole thing was like a stock photo. Mm. It was like he was living in some sort of mm. weird rom-com. And to this day, he asserts that that's absolutely not what was happening. But there mm. were too many weird little things and it was it was awful. Um, so we had, we did agree that I would... Bex, are you, are you a bit of a control freak? How dare you? I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I just I just find the whole thing so odd and so it unnecessarily so flouncy and it's like the other we said the other day is with the pageantry of it I just it just doesn't it just jars and just feels so one step aside to how I live my life and Ben lives his I life. I totally understand all of those reservations and as such I do feel very lucky that in my particular experience the asking was a genuine question. <laughs> Yeah. I think we just both knew that we saw our lives together. We hadn't discussed getting married. So when he asked, he was asking. And I actually think, Luce, that just because relationships are becoming more equal and your example, what's happened to you and Tris, I think that is actually probably less common as a result because I think what people tend to do now is have these series of conversations beforehand and then they go, right, I'm now enabled. Yes. I'm now enabled to go through the rigmarole and the process of kind of, you know, initiating the marriage. The day that he did it, we drove home. So we were back in Oxford in my family home. I think there had been a chance we were going to get the bus out from London and my parents were going to pick us up. And he was really insistent that we drove. And he has said since that he was really insistent that we drove because he, in his mind, genuinely considered a possibility where my answer would be no. Or my answer would be, I don't think I'm ready yet. And as such, this is weird now. And basically, he wanted to drive down because he wanted a getaway car. Yeah, of course. It was a real question. And do you still in any way harbour that question over why? Does it now feel that the timing was right for you? Are you now settled in his decision that that was the right time? Yeah, because I think, what's the word? Maybe I was internalising everything that we've just touched on. What an engagement is meant to mean societally now and how big a deal it is. And actually for him, it was this phrase I think we used last week, but this statement of intent. It was him saying... I quite want to marry you, so I'm asking you now if you want, you know, it didn't feel like it was for anyone except us, which is what I think I really value about it. He's ruddy lucky, you know. I think if I'd have been put, I would have heartily resented being put on the spot like that. I definitely had the moment of panic. And then I remember thinking, trying to like scrape away everything we have already associated with engagements. And I tried to genuinely just take it as a question. If the question is, will you marry me? The answer is yes. Yeah, yeah. Cut away everything Because else. it is yes. Mm. Because I've been thinking that 
you know, since a couple of months into us being together, I was thinking, gosh, I've really found a person I can imagine my whole life with and I would love to spend my whole life with this person. Mm. Even that mindset is so alien to me. Being able to project your life decades into the future and be like, yes, I'm going to spend my the entirety of my life with this person. Even now, mm. Ben and I are supposed to slash definitely not getting married in July. I still see it as very much a... Corona. Oh, we're booking a holiday next year. I guess we'll still be together next year then. <laughs> <laughs> we have had so many conversations about, you know, bank accounts, joint bank accounts and stuff. And it's so funny because, oddly, like, I'm happy to be engaged to the man and plan a wedding but I had a real struggle with the notion of for for many reasons um he felt and actually I do agree that a joint bank account would be a sensible thing for us at one point but I've resisted it so much why do you need to join your two individuals I think why it's mainly for like house stuff together because you know, we're trying to buy a house but but most people but I this is why I kind of love us as a three because most people have no issues with this like everyone I know has a joint bank account I am the iron bank like I'm I'm I don't know if any of you recognize the Game of Thrones reference but in the relationship I'm happy to be the iron bank if you want to send me your savings I'll keep hold of your savings you ain't having my savings son that's the thing I kept getting really neurotic about it and I'm like I earn a fraction a mere like <laughs> shaving off the top of what Tristan's not even because he earns those but like I'm a freelance actor and a theatre producer I make no money <laughs> I should be going, if you want to share it, let's all put it in a pot. (laughs) Then I can just dip into the nice big pot that you're slaving over, you know. But I was really like, I want my £15 savings all to myself (laughs) in case I want to buy a cocktail with my own money. But it is a funny thing because we've both got savings accounts and we both see each other's money as our collective savings and we have little money sit downs every month to sort out bills and see where we're tracking with savings and all of that but I, this is probably a bigger admin failure life failure of not really understanding what the benefits of <laughs> what like, like the literal hard financial benefits are of joint mm. accounts or even married like people are like oh tax benefits okay are oh, there? they're under I don't review know. aren't they but I, I like, you know, I've gr- I've lived my whole life being a single individual person and I quite like having this person who lives in the same flat as me. That's fine. I don't know why I need to merge my life further than that. I, it's completely ridiculous that we don't have one, to be honest. But I just, it feels, it's 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 completely psychological and it makes no sense. And sometimes you're allowed to just hug on to those things that don't make any sense, but they make you feel a little bit okay. And um, for me, it's just it feeling is, yeah. like our world is com- our world's completely dissolve into each other and I wouldn't have it any other way. I sometimes feel like we live in each other's skin. But <laughs> at the same time, it's just, you know, sometimes it's just nice to feel like you have your bank account. And I think it's really primitive but it's something that I hold on to. Well, maybe it's not primitive. Maybe it is, it's very modern. I think you've really hit on something because there is a real... There's a real pride in going, say, I did it for myself. Yeah. I don't want to have to borrow There's from a real you. sort of Scrooge McDuck side of me where, because I, I earn a bit more than Ben normally, I've been, because of the Rona, out of a job for a couple of months now. Um, but normally I earn a little bit more than Ben and I like unashamedly I like showing him my savings and a little bit more than his but not least because we were not always that way when we first met I was at I had three I I was not financially a viable investment as a human (laughs) I had like three credit cards I was right at the bottom of my overdraft I just 
totally financially mismanaged my whole world but so so I've got a real sort of like smugness mm. at now being sort of the other the other side of that and having pulled myself together a little bit and I like showing him all my coins in my bank <laughs> yeah so Hetz over to you because yours okay. is such a unusual mm. situation which I find funny in and of itself mm. because I really yeah. did think that um, by the time our generation were doing these sorts of things even if we were still going to conform to the ways of doing it that we've been taught to do, I sort of expected that I would see a lot more women proposing to men to initiate the marriage process. And that is the headline, right? You proposed to Jay rather than the other way around. I proposed to Jacob, yeah, rather than the other way around. Um, and it wasn't even a leap year, imagine. It wasn't even a leap year. <laughs> Did you burn on the spot? <laughs> for proposing not on the designated day for ladies. Yeah, the most memorable thing about the day was that my hair immediately combusted. (laughs) (laughs) That is really rare. You are the only person I know who has proposed Mm. to her male partner. All of us can talk quite vociferously about our beliefs and what we stand for and kind of the weird inequalities and weird injustices and you're one of the few people who truly live it and do things in a different way. But that takes, to be honest, it takes two to tango and I think the the thing that I really have realised throughout this process is that um, I wouldn't be able to practice what I would like to see if it weren't for the fact that the person that I am doing it with also wants to see the same thing. Um, I had a really good conversation with Jacob before our first episode um, where I said and I asked him genuinely and openly, is there any part of you that was felt nervous about telling your friends? Because as you were pointing out, Luce, as well, a lot of this is actually to do with the social expectations and how you reintegrate your story into the commonplace narrative. And it's not just for him, he's a teacher, so and he teaches an all-boys school. So it's not even just a social expectation amongst his group of friends who already know him and us back to front. And what did he say, Hertz? Rather than feeling emasculated, he felt incredibly empowered by the fact yeah, that amazing. he had a partner who felt capable of asking the question to him. What I was saying about feeling lucky in my situation, I guess for Jacob, it was a real surprise as well, because you had made it very clear, hadn't you, that weddings were not on the cards and he had accepted that to a certain extent even though you knew he wanted it exactly as i sort of dug into last episode i've just got a very kind of complicated um relationship with marriage in terms of what i think it's it's not so much that i don't consider it to have a purpose it does it's more that i feel conflicted about the level of expectation we put on people to do it um, yeah, of course so I had obviously communicated to Jacob that I thought that marriage wasn't a route that I necessarily wanted to pursue and as we've touched mm. on before that wasn't for a lack of showing commitment otherwise or not feeling commitment um, mm. there's no other future for me than with Jacob for as long hopefully as we're both living and we're both sane and, and normal people um, but I really didn't necessarily want to conform to, to marriage because I've had real misgivings about it so I had formulated that decision and I communicated that to him on several instances. Now, Jacob is 
um, incredibly modern, incredibly self-assured. Um, but at the same instance, he's also somebody whose favourite film is Notting Hill and The Holiday. It's and a great movie. So uh, he's also a bit mushy in the insides. And, and he, as am I, to be honest. Um, and I think he has always hugely romanticised this moment. And, he, and he's so willing to have the whole framework and the look of weddings change, but he still imagined a moment in front of friends mm. and family where we tell everyone that we love how much we love each other. And so, uh, you know, he's he responded to those conversations so well and he's never made me at all feel pressured. I've never worried that he was suddenly going to put me on a spot and propose to me. Um, yeah. But on the other hand, it made me feel a bit sad, the idea that he was willing to kind of completely deny himself of that, um, to deny myself that, of that experience that he's clearly romanticised mm. and he's grown up thinking what happened to him. And uh, even though he's expressed all the willingness for it to look completely different and I haven't and I wasn't really able to give at all and it just got me thinking especially with now obviously civil partnership being legalized between heterosexual couples actually maybe there is a way of us threading the needle and I loved the idea suddenly then I loved the idea of doing something for him uh, and having this moment creating this moment of surprise where he's gonna feel you know, the full weight of me being like, let's do this because I know you really want to do this and I trust that we'll do this in a way that's going mm. to be good for us. How did you feel, Hetz? Because Becca and I can only talk about being on the other end. What was it like? It was so scary. I made this decision, which was a, you know, a unilateral decision on our behalf, which, you know, mm. putting everything to one side about its... And it is, obviously, it's a huge expression of intent, as you guys have been saying. But putting all that aside, on the very base level, it was a huge economic financial commitment. And I was sort of making it on our behalf without involving him. And, you know, it's just completely unnatural after, you know, 10 years of talking about what you're going to eat for dinner and whether, you know, should we go calf or decaf on the tea in the morning? And every little tiny minor decision you discuss and then suddenly there's this big thing um, and not to talk about it, I found so weird. And then not only not to talk about it, to withhold the information. But I was mm. sort of desperate because I knew that he, I knew with absolute certainty that he would be completely overjoyed that I did mm. want to create this moment. And I thought there was a real opportunity to create a real moment of ecstasy and him feeling so joyed and, and loved. And and so I just decided to do it that way. Um, but then when it came down to it, so we booked this holiday and it, we were celebrating our 10 years anyway. And so we kind of, under the ruse of all of that, we went down into the vines and we went for a walk and it was all sort of dusky and sunsetty. And I bought him a ring as well. And the ring was a palaver because there isn't really such a, there are, there are male engagement rings, but they get very blingy very quick. I don't feel like Jacob is a bling... Is a bling ring kind of guy. No, he's not. He's not. Um, <laughs> but I had bought a ring and I decided I was going to go down on one knee and I was practicing my lunges in the bedroom, just making sure that my knees still functioned. <laughs> and I was just so nervous. I was so nervous. And unfortunately, I'm, I'm well of breast. So I was able to hide the... <laughs> I was able to hide the ring in my bra. Um and and then we and we took some champagne down uh, to the vines and we took our music and um, we took speakers and we we're playing music and we ended up sitting on this little kind of old raggedy wall um and then there was this real lull in conversation 
And this is, this is quite good because whenever Jacob says to me, I have a question to ask you, which is just, you know, how you get this little refrain mm-hmm. that you always say in your relationship. I've got a question to ask you. And I would say, as long as you're not asking me to marry you, it's yes, I'll do it. It's fine. And so when I said to him in that lull, I was like, I've got a question to ask you. He went, as long as you're not asking me to marry Aww. you, it's a yes. And I was like, oh, shit. Um... And I am actually, he thought that was hilarious. He thought that was me just going along with the joke, <laughs> threw his head back and took a sip of his champagne. And then by the time his head come back down, I'd basically, you know, got my ring out my bra and popped it open. And so his head knocked back down basically and then saw the ring. I've not heard this before. I'm loving this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hanging on your every word. And then he just, yeah, he saw the ring and he just, this is when he threw everything. So I don't know why is it an instinct to throw everything. But he chucked his glass. He was wearing a hat and sunglasses. He chucked them all. And he just was like, what the fuck are you doing? And I was like, I I want to ask whether you will commit to spending the rest of your life with me. And he just swore. I have to say, I wasn't expecting the proposal to be so expletive filled he just swore so much vocal aggression so much because he was so surprised but then I just said is this a yes and then obviously he said yes and then we ended up and he and he ended up crying a lot I ended up crying a lot so the whole thing you've just made me cry and I immediately feel guilty for Ben <laughs> I cry at your engagement but not his <laughs> he he really did like bawl his eyes out and that that made me feel equally happy that it meant a lot to him but also really sad that I hadn't quite realized how much it had meant to mm. him and how amazing it had been that he hadn't made me feel up to that but what point wonderful guilty. partnership that a he did feel it was that important but that he had come to terms with not doing it for you and equally mm. well that you mm. then in the end sacrificed what you had always thought you were going to be sort of rigid about because you knew it would please mm. him so you've both just you yeah. know, worked really hard, clearly, to make the person you love happy. It was scary. There's this huge pressure, right? You're realising you're making a memory and making something that you, you will probably talk about. It's such a funny thing, that, isn't it? Because even just having this conversation, it's just made me feel like that's that at the back of my mind the whole time almost took away from what was happening. Mm. Because kind of I had a lovely engagement it was picturesque as fuck and it was exactly what I would want it to be I knew it was happening which personally for me was incredibly important I hope Ben won't ever listen to this because I don't think I've ever told him this but I'd done a little bit of sleuthing and I was pretty sure I knew what the ring was so I knew I wasn't having to put on a a face that wasn't entirely genuine and it, it was done absolutely in the right way for us where we um go out to the lake district at least once or twice every year to do some yomping around so i had my scrabbiest clothing on top that i've owned for at least 15 years that definitely don't fit anymore and had a little packed lunch and our packed lunches are always like proper 12 year old packed lunches of hula hoops and squidgy sandwiches oh, a little ham sandwich glass of tea and we were exactly in the middle of our walk so right at the top just before we were sort of going around the horseshoe to go back down. So it was beautiful. Mm. 
it was exactly right in that he could have waited for a moment where I was sort of composed and the wind rustling through my hair and really looking my best self. But what he actually waited for was until I had a mouthful of hula hoops and then he started the conversation. <laughs> and I was like, really? Okay. What better way to be proposed to? Than Honestly, I couldn't agree more. Hoops. My brother was disappointed that he didn't propose with a hula hoop. Of course. But, you know, he did it with a black opal, some sort of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have asked for anything else and he'd even, bless him, he'd gone out and bought some special paper and special ink and wrote it as a letter because he thought oh, he might forget his words him. and he wanted me to be able to read it afterwards. But yes, I couldn't get away from the, the nagging thought the whole time of this is sort of 40% for me and 60% for mm. other people. You know, I know we joked earlier, Becca, about you liking control. <laughs> um, I have quite an addiction or an obsession with documenting things and I've kept a diary since I was 13 and every time something big happens to me it's like I write it down I document it and I almost have that sense of um you know if a tree falls in the wood and no one's around did it really fall for me it's like if an event happened and I didn't actually write it down did it ever happen mm. and I definitely had that sense during my engagement of this huge thing happening and it was so overwhelming and surprising that I couldn't compute and mm. I couldn't categorise it and store it efficiently enough and I could feel this moment happening and actually disappearing out of my memory. But this is why I can't... I, I absolutely know what you mean and this is what I sort of can't get my head around now is why? Why is it that we're sort of like oh, this is a momentous thing. I need to mm. I need to have a photographic memory of this so I can perfectly replay it for myself and also, almost more importantly, for other people because now people don't ask how you met, they ask, oh, mm. tell me about the proposal. Mm, so true. I was so sick of telling our story at one point and yet I am guilty of asking for it of other people. But you, you, want, you want to be regaled with those stories because you want to have that little insight into somebody's most intimate moment. And it, I guess it's sort of akin to... Big Brother or Love Island, you want to be there when memories are mm. formed mm. and big emotions happen. Well, I would and... be so flattered if anyone deemed my love life as entertaining as Love Island. Honestly. Maybe that's what I'll aspire to. <laughs> Can we end with a very quick comment from each of us on rings? For instance, because Hetty, obviously, you gave a ring. Do you wear one I yourself? Did. No, so I don't currently wear an engagement ring, partly, mostly because I'm terrified of losing anything that I might wear. Um, other part of it is also because I love jewellery, but I'm very much like trend jewellery. I wear a lot of jewellery and I don't know if I am settled enough in my taste to decide on something now that I know I'll love mm. forever. Um, and I'm really happy to have a diamond on credit. <laughs> <laughs> And Becca, what is your ring? So my ring is a black opal, which um, if you know your stones is a soft stone, so a ludicrous idea for engagement ring. I barely ever wear it just because I worry about damaging it because it is soft. And also I, much like Hetz, I love rings. I have about four rings on every hand, but absolutely sort of fashion led rather than having a set set of rings and I just and there is an entertaining story behind the ring which we're going to try and incorporate yeah. in another episode yeah. so I hilariously I'm the polar opposite of both of you I never wear rings that has never I wear earrings and that's the only jewellery I ever wear and I now wear it all the flipping time <laughs> 
when we got engaged, he proposed with a holding ring and said, oh, I thought it'd be nice to maybe pick something together. And I, when we went looking for rings, I just felt so out of my depth. Like, the idea of wearing a big jewel on my finger feels so weird. And I remember, just for jokes, we went into Tiffany's and this man put a ring on my finger and I remember him saying, you've gone quiet. I can tell the the ring has chosen you type thing. <laughs> and I was like, I've gone quiet because I feel so uncomfortable with that ring on my finger. Like I feel... You're not Ollivander. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. But all that being said, we did then walk into Cartier and someone put an emerald on my finger and I was like, oh my God, I am, I am one with the emerald. <laughs> <laughs> and in the end, we got a much cheaper alternative where a lovely jeweler man made a ring for us with an emerald in it and I love it so much because maybe it's the first example of what we're going to talk about in the future of a thing that does feel like me mm. me in a ring so I enjoy wearing it that's lovely loose dweeb <laughs> well darlings I think that has been a truly like bedtime story type episode I agree so sweet dreams sleep well until next time that was the thing about that mm-hmm.